Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. In today's Gospel lesson, we hear the same thing happen twice. It sounded like a story that began with Jesus' teaching, and it moves on to this miracle of the catching of fish, but actually, the exact same thing was repeated, and we didn't notice it. Why? Because Jesus, in the boat, catches men. Then, he has St. Peter, Simon at this point, do the exact same thing in an enacted parable. And he explains what this parable means at the end. No longer will you be catching fish, you'll be catching men. The miraculous draft of fish was a sign that Jesus made happen in order to demonstrate to Simon, Peter, and the first disciples what they should be about. Now, it's interesting because in this story, we hear that They bring in so many fish that their nets started breaking and that their boat started sinking, right? But nearly the exact same enacted parable happens right after Jesus' resurrection. And we hear not only that the boat is not sinking, but the nets don't break that time. Again, Jesus enacts this parable for them, but he shows them something that happens now that he is uh, crucified and resurrected. They are now working with a renewed humanity. They are now uh, going to go about the business of the Lord, but they're doing so with a humanity that has been redeemed from death. So the tool of the fisher of men, that is the net, is no longer susceptible to breaking. You see, they don't have to worry about the ship sinking, that is the church. They don't have to worry about their nets breaking, that is their human nature, because it has been saved and redeemed. So Before we get to that point, though, Jesus shows them what it's going to look like. And he has them enact this parable with a sinking boat and a breaking net in order to begin showing them, teaching them to rely on him. Now, this is the important thing that I want us to learn from the parable today. Simon complained that they had been fishing all night and caught nothing. Now, this isn't Brad Paisley out on the lake, you know, just, oh, shucks, didn't catch anything. This is the livelihood of men whose entire job and vocation is fishing. And if you don't fish, and the reason they're out there all night, presumably, is because they really needed (laughs) to catch some fish so that they could survive. Their lives were revolving around catching fish and selling them. And after fishing all night and having nothing which was just as much a part of today's miracle as the miraculous draft was. Jesus shows them that not only do you not need to worry about me blessing you and taking care of you, but he does it in a way that demonstrates his super abundance. And we see this over and over again in the miracles of Jesus throughout the Gospels. He's not saying it explicitly, but people are amazed at what he does, not just because he allows them to catch some fish, but because they catch so much fish that their boat starts sinking. Never in their life had this happened. This is the super abundance of God, right? When, when uh, 
when someone's sick, Christ doesn't just make them better. He restores them into their community. This is the super abundance of Christ. When he feeds them in the wilderness, he doesn't just, you know, give everyone enough to make it back home so that they can eat a proper meal. He feeds multitudes to filling, and then there's leftover. Super abundance. When God calls us to do something in life, in the case of the disciples, we see that God's calling them to follow him, to, to leave everything behind and follow, become his disciples. When we're called by God to do something, God's super abundance is just as available to us as it was to the disciples or to the people in the wilderness when they were being fed or whoever. Why doesn't it feel like that sometimes? Well, because as the epistle tells us today, there's a possibility that there's still going to be suffering for the sake of righteousness. When we follow God, there is suffering that we can expect. But we can also expect the same superabundant grace and gift giving we see in the story applied to us as well. But we have to understand what that superabundance means, what it's going to be. What we're promised is not that we won't have suffering. In fact, we're promised the opposite, we will. But what we're promised is that God will redeem every single thing that happens to us. Every single ounce of suffering will be not only reversed, but redeemed in a superabundant way. That means our reward uh, in, in the new creation, when Christ returns and he restores uh, all things to himself, when he brings all of creation up into himself, he's bringing not only the good stuff, but the bad stuff as well, so that it can be uh, burned away, but also transformed and redeemed. After his resurrection, Christ didn't miraculously or magically have no more wounds from his crucifixion. He had his wounds still, and he has his wounds still today in glory, seated at the right hand of the Father. Why does the resurrected body of Christ keep its wounds? So that they can become glorified, so that we can see them as symbols of his victory over what would have been an apparent defeat. The victory over suffering is maintained in the new creation because it's still part of the story. The story of this world, you can't have a good story without conflict, right? You can't have victory without suffering. And so God doesn't create a world and a story that's just good all around from the start to the end. He creates a world and a story that goes through the tough things with the promise that in the end, there is not only a happy ending, but the best ending anyone could possibly imagine. And that's the lesson that we see the first disciples learning today. They had a conflict. They had a real problem. They had a problem that presumably was consuming uh, their minds, that their, their worries and their anxieties were occupied with this problem, a problem that Jesus shows them he can not only handle, but he can completely change their perspective on altogether. The same thing is promised for us. Whatever our fears and anxieties are today, tomorrow, the next day, what the gospel story today shows us is that 
a super abundant redemption of those fears and anxieties is in store. And so, as the epistle uh, says from from 1 Peter today, don't don't worry about these types of things. Don't especially don't get so consumed that you are tempted to do evil, that you're tempted to return evil for evil or bickering or backbiting for bickering and backbite. Don't play by the rules of this world with um, a dearth of fish, okay? Because God knows where all the fish are. God will handle these anxieties for us. All that we are tasked to do is to seek peace and ensue it. That means in our own lives, in the lives of our families, in the lives of our friends, in the lives of our neighborhood, in community, in city, in world. St. Seraphim of Saroff said, acquire the spirit of peace and thousands around you will be saved. What does that mean? It means that if we acquire the spirit that St. Peter is telling us to acquire, if we acquire the peace in our hearts that Jesus is showing the disciples they can have if they trust in him, then our lives will become so transformed that everyone around us will see the way we live. Our light will shine forth <laughs> uh, as on a hill and people will be drawn to it. Now, we don't see thousands around us becoming saved every day because we haven't acquired the spirit of true peace. We are still all dealing with uh, fears and anxieties. We're still dealing with uh, troubles that we haven't fully given over to God. And because of that, not only are our lives suffering, but the lives of those around us are suffering. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to do, obviously. If it was, we would all do it. We would all have the spirit of peace and thousands would be saved every day. But this is what we ought to be working toward. If you wonder what the life of the Christian is about, it's about this, seeking peace and ensuing it having, acquiring the spirit of peace so that whatever God calls us to, if it's to leave our boats and nets, not a problem. <laughs> we believe, we trust, we'll come. If it's to live quietly and to uh, have the spirit of, as our colleague today puts it, godly quietness, to simply do our work and to love our neighbor in our little sphere, that will be enough. If that's what God's calling us to, that will be a powerful, powerful work in this world. Don't ever think just because we aren't called to um, whatever, be clergy or to be apostles or to be whatever, that the work God's calling you to isn't crucial for this world. It is. Every single person here today is being called by God to do something in the sphere in which he's placed you. And the way to do it well is to have this spirit of peace, to learn from the disciples what it looks like to receive that superabundance and be ready to suffer for a little while so that in the end, the reward will be beyond what we can possibly imagine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.